Hi, my name is Jamie, and welcome to the One World Your Story Project. We share stories from people all over the world and from all different walks of life. Because here's the thing, no matter where you are on this wild planet, and no matter what journey you have already been on, we all have our own unique story, which brings our own unique perspectives to the table. And you never know who you might inspire or completely transform simply by getting real and sharing your story. And right now, while the whole world is dealing with COVID-19, there are 7 billion people all venturing through on their own unique path. So drop in with us to hear some of these stories. And on that note, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Corona Diaries. Today is, I love this, it's 11-11 synchronicity. It's just perfect, mm-hmm. meant to be. Starting at 11-11 on Wednesday, June 10th, 2020. Um, and I'm here with Pauline, um, someone I consider you a dear friend of mine. Um, we met in a really unique way professionally. Yeah. But, um, and years ago, actually, at this point, like four or five years ago. Yeah, crazy. it's crazy. Yeah, um, it's been that long. I know. And I love that we've maintained this relationship, which I would definitely call and consider friendship at this point. Yeah, me too. Um, and yeah, I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself and then um, let's just jump in. So um, I already said your name, Pauline, um, yeah. but where are you in the world, um, both physically and actually um, geographically? both locations. And what do you do? Um, so I live in Denver, Colorado, actually specifically, I live in Lakewood, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver. Um, and I am a technical recruiter. Okay. Um, so you're living right outside of Denver. You're a technical recruiter, um, which I definitely knew that. Mm-hmm. I'm plug in my headphones, Pauline, so the sound actually is better for both of us. Okay. Um, and you're living with your husband, right? Yes, I am living with my husband, Charles. We've been married for 16 years. Congratulations. Thank you. So you have been married for 16 years um, mm-hmm. and you're living together. And y'all don't have any, do you have, I know you don't have kids in the house. Do you have any pets? Um, we do. We have one pet, Bella. She is 17. We used to have three, um, but unfortunately the other two passed, um, uh, years ago. So Bella is sticking around and, um, loving every minute of it. Cause we, she just, she is the boss and we do whatever she says. I love right? that. That's how she's <laughs> 17 is awesome. Oh, wow. I know. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, okay. And you know, there's so many different directions that we can go in and we're going to go back in time to talk about when you first heard about coronavirus, but I just want to address quickly before we get started really is why you reached out to do this, this specific Corona Diaries with me. Why did you feel like it was important for you to come share your story? Um, I think it's important because, you know, so specifically um, when I started doing my volunteer work, which is called CASA, and it stands for, and I have to look at my notes here, court-appointed special advocate, um, and it's for kids in the foster system, so kids who are uh, victims of abuse or neglect. And um, unfortunately, with coronavirus, there are, you know, the the reporting of that abuse has gone down, which is not good. That means that the abuse is happening and that that it's not being reported because they're with their abusers. Um, And so, and I don't know if you want me to kind of go into my story here. Um, and so that's really kind of why I reached out and thought, okay, this is a good time to talk about this. And this is the journey that I'm going on um, with, with CASA. And, and, you know, when I started doing the training, I mean, I, it's been a calling of mine for a few years. Um, and when I started doing the training it, 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 and started really, you know, watching some of the videos, I had an aha moment. I was like, because why, why did I have this calling? I didn't really understand. I thought maybe it's because the fact that I wanted children and couldn't have children. Um, but then when I delved deeper into it, I realized it was because of the domestic violence. And so it was um, women talking about, you know, why I stayed 
you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and very much that, um, you know, blaming the victim kind of mentality. And so it, it's a systemic problem, right? So it goes from generation to generation to generation. Um, and in my particular case with my first husband, it that was the case. So um, he was, you know, he started out as emotionally abusive and then it turned into physical abuse. And then I, you know, learned that, um, and I probably, I can't remember when I learned it to be completely honest, this was so long ago, but uh, I learned that his father was, was physically abusive. His grandfather was physically abusive. So it, it was, it just happened generation by generation. And then I guess the reason that I then realized that I was drawn to this was the CASA program was because then I could maybe help one family, one child, and but help the whole family. And then that could help generations. So. Breaking the cycle, <laughs> um, which is, thank you for doing that. We need more people to do that. And it's so true. Um, it Because when you are the victim of abuse, it has an impact on you emotionally and, st- and, and leaves, for lack of better words, scars or imprints. And unless you take the, the leap to, to deal with it right. yourself, acknowledge it, talk about it, it persists. Yeah. Um, and it takes something to actually come out and talk about it, especially, I think, with men, um, women as well. Um, but I think just think it's harder as a society uh, because of what we're programmed as men right. and women to be able to talk about emotions um, as men. Not to say right. that it's easy for women. I just think that that adds a layer to it. I don't know if there's anything yeah. you want to say I mean, about I would that. agree with you. I think that definitely would add a layer to it. Because I know that there's it's not just women being abused. There, are, I actually knew of uh, a former neighbor I grew up with, and he suffered uh, domestic abuse at the hands of his wife. So, um, and you know, it was something that, you know, he was ashamed, you know, because he was the man, and you know that, like you were talking about, Jamie, the society thing. You know, how would the talking about emotions? Which is why it's so beautiful that we're having this conversation. Because when people know, hey, somebody else experienced it too, then it like makes it just that much easier to maybe talk about it as well, knowing yeah. that somebody gets your experience. So again, thank you for doing this and sharing it. So from my understanding of what you just said, it's not that you are experiencing domestic abuse right now during coronavirus personally, but that you had experienced it in the past and that you know that it's happening right now but harder to talk about it because you're kind of trapped in a, in together and couldn't leave right. your house. And so wanting to talk to me about it to make sure that people are, are more aware of what's going on potentially. Absolutely. I actually said to my husband, um, my, my current husband, Charles, my real husband, as I like to say, um, <laughs> that um, he, that I said, you know, my, my worst, I mean, my worst nightmare would have been to be, be stuck in, in um coronavirus in um and i can't i'm I'm, what is the word in isolation with my ex-husband he was my abuser that would have been my worst nightmare because um getting out of the house and getting away from him and him traveling because of work and that kind of thing was my only reprieve from it Mm, yeah yeah and you know what like i thought about it too but never had the experience to emotional abuse yes um physical abuse no but like who knows in the situation like this how quickly emotional abuse could translate and turn into physical abuse in ways that it hadn't before when you're in these yeah. closed quarters and can't escape yes. right someone's yelling at you you could walk out but uh-huh. we couldn't do that necessarily during these times right um so ooh Pauline I'm like do we talk about your story and history first of deme- no, let's not do that, <laughs> as I'm saying it out loud. So <laughs> let's go back in time first and talk about when you very first heard about the coronavirus. And I say that because I assume you started volunteering with CASA during this time period, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so let's go back to when did you first hear about the coronavirus and COVID-19? So, I mean, I first heard about the COVID-19 and coronavirus before it hit the United States. And um, uh, my husband, Charles, actually really predicted that this was going to happen. 
which just blows my mind um, um, when it was in China. And so he, he, he said, you know, this is, it's inevitable. It's going to, I mean, how can it not? This is a, you know, uh, so. You remember, um, was this before or after New Year's? This was after New Year's. Okay. Yeah. I want to say some, sometime in January. Um, but me really first really getting it that, oh, wow, this is a pandemic. This is affecting us. Um, was uh, the beginning of March. So it was shortly after my dad's funeral, actually. Actually, and so we got together for for my dad's funeral and burial on March 9th, and then started quarantine on March 13th. Um, so we, I mean, we consider ourselves lucky that we were able to honor our father and have a burial, right? You know, I had so many feelings about that, like. Oh my gosh, I feel so blessed and so lucky. And I feel so bad for people who aren't able to have that. I remember talking to you at that time. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think because we had had coffee. Like, we went to, I think we went out to lunch. Yeah. We went out to lunch, but that was the month before. Because that was before I went to Maui. And I was just starting to talk to you about time capsules. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Which right. Which is so funny. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And you were talking about your dad. And March 9th actually was the day that I got back to Colorado. Yeah. And you told me about your father and, and I think both of us had the same feeling, like just being like, wow, thank mm -hmm. God you got to go there and see him because it was very clear on March 9th that things were about to dramatically change. Oh yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm so sorry that that happened and I'm so happy that it happened when it did. I am too. Um, which is weird to say. Um, no, but I, I mean, I am too, you know, I mean, um, you know, he was suffering towards the end as well. And so it, you know, it's just the fact that we got to honor him because I, you know, I live in, in Denver, Colorado, as we mentioned, but, um, you know, my dad lived in Northern Virginia. So, um, I, you know, I flew out there for a week to spend time with my family, which was great. Yeah. What was it like flying back home though? Like, or being in the airport? Um, that was a little, so <laughs> I'm already a little bit of a germaphobe. <laughs> so in some ways that can help, I guess. I don't like to touch things in airports and I'm constantly washing my hands. Um, and, uh, but we did notice a lot of people in masks. Now we didn't have a mask on at that point, but we did notice that. And it, it just, it, it's like, and it felt like it happened overnight. We know when we look back at that, it didn't, but it felt like it did. That week of March 9th or the 10th, the third, whatever it was, mm -hmm. the week before the 16th. So yeah, it was the 9th. It was, it felt like a year. I mean, yeah. every day there was stuff and yeah, it felt like it happened overnight. Um, and in a way it did. And in a lot of ways it really didn't. We no. were just blind to it because, you know, you said, okay, Charles was talking to you about it in January. Um, it started in China in November. I did learn that. Um, which is wild to think back on. Because I remember at the time, like, oh, if you heard about it in January, you were on it. No, it ha started in November. But by the way, I've talked to people that are in Shanghai, and they didn't hear about it until January, oh Chinese gosh. New Year. So you did get the information pretty quickly, all things considered. Um, mm -hmm. But to your point, Charles saw this stuff, and you were like, meh. That's and then right. uh, in the beginning of March, everything changed. Mm -hmm. Um, now you come back to Denver, have this interesting experience flying where people are wearing masks. I came, I was flying at that time too. And I remember like when I was coming back from Hawaii, the guy that I sat next to, I could smell the alcohol from the sanitizer. Oh my God. And I was just like, I looked at him and I was like, is that sanitizer? And he go, he instantly goes, you want some? Like that was his response. <laughs> And I was like, I laughed. I was like, yeah, sure. But like, whoa, like, I, I mean, some people were just on it. And I, uh, the, the rest of us were kind of like, what is going on? What should I be? Yeah. It was weird. And I actually still kind of think that's what <laughs> it is. Unfortunately, there's people have a lot of different feelings about this. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Did you get back to Denver on the 13th? You mentioned the 13th that you, that's when I you started isolation. Yeah, I actually started, I actually got back to Denver on the 9th and then, um, and then I went into work and then, uh, for the next few days went into the office and then quarantined beginning the 13th. Okay. Now was that your choice or was that cause the office shut down? 
ah, I'm trying to remember the time frame. Um, no, I think so. That was my choice, but then the office shut down on that Monday. Okay. Which makes sense because Colorado was shut down by the 18th. So, yeah. Um, okay. And so you start isolating with you and Charles. Mm-hmm. Do you remember at that time? And, and by the way, you were working in an office. Now you're working remote. Had you ever worked remote before? I have. I mean, I haven't worked 100% remote, but with this job and my previous job, I was able to work remote sometimes. So I would maybe go into the office like three times a week. And I, I recruit mostly for Northern Virginia. So it really doesn't matter where I am, you know, whether I'm here or in the office, I'm still doing the same job. Totally. And I remember talking to you sometimes from home, sometimes in the office. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's wild because there are so many recruiting teams. I mean, you know, I used to work with the recruiters. I was never a recruiter, mm-hmm. but I worked with them in a lot of regard. And there are so many companies like, no, you have to be there. The reality is like you can do your job anywhere because most of the time you're interviewing people on the phone anyway. The in-person oh, right. interviews happen with hiring managers. Right. Um, so it's going to be so curious and I, interesting I, to see how companies change. I was saying this to a coworker today on one of our one-on-one. I was saying, I am so, I'm just so curious to see what's going to happen to our world, our work world, and not just at my company, but just everywhere. Because, you know, she, she actually is in the office today in Northern Virginia. And she was saying, there's no one here. I wear a mask when I walk around, but in my office, I don't have to. Um, she just wanted to change a pace. And, but, but she talked about all the, the precautions and the social distancing. And I'm like, I don't know how they could ever go back to full capacity. I, I just don't know how they would do it because I, being at headquarters is everyone's like crammed in an elevator. Um, now they only allow two people in an elevator. They have the, the tape on the floor. They have the tape in the elevator where you're supposed to stand. So I just don't know how they're going to get back to full, full capacity anytime soon. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. And it's like, even if they were able to, like, let's say in a year from now, the virus is under control, we have a vaccine or we have herd immunity, whatever it is. The reality is that like the impact of us living like this for months and months and months, potentially a year or two years, I mean, there's no way that that will not have lasting impacts on how we are and what we're comfortable with. So it's going to be super interesting. I mean, thinking about going to a concert at Red Rocks, Oh my gosh. No, no, I just, no. And and, you know, I already, even before all of this, again, I mentioned I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, but I'm also like in crowds, I just get freaked out. Um, Like if there's all these people around me and it's kind of pushed, I just, I, it really just kind of freaks me out a little bit. And a lot of people already had that. And and now someone like me who never had that, I have that. I bet. And it's really weird. Like, so yeah, there's going to be some lasting impacts mm-hmm. on that note. But to kind of switch gears, going back to the beginning of March, so you're in isolation with Charles. You're working remotely. And I remember talking to you in the beginning. It was fun. We did like a little happy hour mm-hmm. and, and it was okay, actually. Yeah. Like things seemed kind of okay. When did you start really thinking about the domestic violence? I mean, was that an instant thing? Was that a couple weeks in? Um, it wasn't an instant thing. It was really kind of what happened was they decided I had like, I had, um, reached out to the CASA program in Jefferson County a couple of years ago, what, like two, maybe a little bit more than two years ago. Um, and I was introduced to it by a coworker who was like, I think that you would be great at this. And I think that you could really help these kids and, and not knowing my personal story because it's not really something that I share. But yeah, so not that's wild. Know. So this yeah. person thought you'd be good at it without even knowing that you had your own personal experience of that. Why? Why did they think you'd be good at it? Um, they just said because of my personality, they, you know, consider me a warm person who cares about people. And um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. So I, I mean, that's really where it came from. And I never shared my story um, with her. Um, but she's she. she she and then there was another person in the office, and she said, "Oh my gosh, so and so told me that you were going to do this, and I think you'd be great at it, and and it's such a great thing to do." I love and, stuff like that. Yeah, isn't it cool? It's, it's really just, cool. I mean, and you know me, Pauline. Like I'm a spiritual person. I really think like your vibe attracts things, energy you put out there. Like it's unspoken stuff, and I mean that mm-hmm. is proof in the pudding. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, it was really cool. And so, what I mean, honestly, I've been putting it off because, hey, life gets in the way, right? You know, um, <laughs> you know Charles had cancer last year. I was tra- I'm traveling for work. I'm doing all this stuff. And um, and so I was like, I don't have time. I don't have time for this training. And you had to go to the courthouse after work from 530 to 8, and which is difficult with commuting and you know how traffic has gotten pretty bad around Denver um and so my office and where the Jefferson County Courthouse was just um didn't work and so the coordinator reached out to me and said hey you've expressed interest in the past because of coronavirus we're going to do this online this is the first time we're ever going to do this um so it was via zoom there were 19 of us um and so 19 of us started and 19 of us finished. And so, um, you know, like the, the work. Wow. Yeah. That says something. Yes. Because usually at least one person drops out of the training. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the coordinator was amazing. And the fact that she was able to switch so quickly to Zoom and really very little technical difficulties was amazing. And then they had so many people come to meet with us. Um, and then with Zoom, you know how you can go in different rooms. So we would, you know, have our, our um, oh, breakout group, rooms, breakout rooms. And we go in rooms and talk about a case or something like that. Um, they had, um, you know, magistrates come and join. They had you know, new CASA volunteers, CASA volunteers who had been in, in, in the system for year or working with the kids for years. Um, they had, you know, the other people, like social workers and other people in the, in the system. I'm still learning all the names and all the, you know, who who's involved. There are a lot of people involved in it. Um, but what shows, and I don't have a percentage, but they said um, kids with a CASA volunteer. I mean, it goes up. And again, I, unfortunately, I don't have a percentage, but it's, it's significant. Um, do much better in the foster program and find permanent home housing if they have a CASA volunteer working with them. So it's just, and I think it's like you, you have that and you have, you know, we actually, there was a former addict who um, was on there and uh, who, who came and talked to us about how she was, um, you know, she was an addict and she, you know, had three kids and then, you know, and she kind of went through her story and how she turned her life around and I, it's all of those things and really helped, I think, with us all being engaged in wanting to to do this and wanting to be there. So Absolutely. Because you already had motivation, but then you hear those stories and it's just like you can't turn your back on it. No. Absolutely not. No. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you for volunteering. What a, an amazing you. impact you're making. And and I'm nervous about it, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, rightfully so. Yeah. What 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 are you nervous about? Um I guess a few things. I mean, that this is this is out of my comfort zone, right? Um, and uh, and then also, am I going to help the child? Am I going to know what to do? Am I going to say the right things? Uh, that kind of thing. And then also, you know, you it's your court court appointed. For some reason, I have a hard time saying courts, um, but they um, you go and you talk to the judge on behalf of the child at um, you know at hearings at trials. So that's nerve wracking. Um, you have to create your case. Uh, you do, you do like have a team of people who help you, but um, you know, it's just nerve wracking. And, and I'm also nervous about, um, you know, protecting my own heart as well, because, you know, seeing, um, you know, they could be victims of domestic violence. They could have be domestic uh, or sexual abuse. And I just don't know. I know how I am as far as, and being an empath and how I carry things with me and I can kind of carry some of that with me. And so I worry about that as well. Oh, I so hear you on that. I mean, going back to what you were first talking about with like having to present the case and talking to the kids. I mean, honestly, I don't doubt that you won't mess up at least once. Yep. And that's totally okay. Mm-hmm. The fact that is like- scares me, but it's yeah. okay. Of course. Of course. I think that we stop ourselves from doing things way too often because we don't know how to do it. And that's mm-hmm. crazy. When you're a kid, you don't know how to do anything. You have to learn it all. That doesn't right. stop us. We do it. Yeah. Learn how to ride a bike, right? But as mm-hmm. adults, somehow the fear takes over, but you're not letting it do at that time and right now. And it's awesome. Um, and wow, I didn't realize that like you as a volunteer would be the one building the case. I mean, to me, that triggers so many other things in my head. I'm like, 
why don't we have enough people? Like what is going on? And that's a whole other conversation. Right. I mean, I I can touch briefly on that. It's because, you know, they're, they're overwhelmed. Um, And so they, so a lot of times the caseworker, the social worker has so many cases that they do can do the bare minimum. And so the volunteer is the one, you know, I will be visiting my kid like uh, once a week at least. And so I will get to know him or her and build that rapport. And so that I think that is what the problem is, is they're just overloaded. And so a lot of times the kids slip through the system because of it. But if they have an advocate on their side, they likely won't. Yeah. This this is the problem with our systems. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would, I would definitely group this in with our justice system. Oh, um, absolutely. And we just don't have enough people. It's crazy. I'm, I've been watching the Khalif Browder story, and it's insane. I mean, you're supposed to get a public offender, defender, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you get one. But how many cases do they have? Right. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So your kid in the it system... Is- you're supposed to have a caseworker. How many other cases do they have? And so many people slip through the cracks. Oh, yeah. And Jesus, there's a lot of layers there to who slips through and who does. I mean, we could. there's a lot to talk about. But I digress. <laughs> Get back into what we're talking about. Um, which you said, okay, I also have to protect my heart, right, as an empath. I think, you know, that's why I always said I, was never, I could never be a doctor or a nurse because I get yeah. too attached. Um, but in this case, though, there's another layer, and that's your own experience. And if we haven't done the proper healing, then that can be even more nerve-wracking. You might oh, be yeah. more open to having those feelings. And so doing this volunteer work, not, you're not just doing it for them. You're also doing your own healing. Yeah. and work at the same time and just want to acknowledge that. And um, I don't doubt that there's going to be some really hard moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just really proud and grateful that you're doing it. Um, and curious, like in the training that you've done, especially being in isolation where there's, it's not like we have the distractions of our daily life. Mm-hmm. Has, have things come up? Have you had to do your own healing? Oh, Yes. <laughs> most things most definitely came up. Um, and I imagine sharing and talking to me about it is part of it. It is literally have never done this before. So okay. now you are like, clearly something's changed. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely came up for me. Um, and uh, like I said, I had an aha, aha moment while doing my homework and watching, you know, they specifically had a, a whole course on domestic violence. And I actually then shared with my coordinator um, through an email, not not with the group. I didn't feel comfortable doing that. Um, but with her through email saying, you know, this um, this this was really good. But it, I'll be honest, this really hit a nerve with me because I've actually been through this myself. And I was like, it's something I don't like to talk about, something that, quite frankly, I'm ashamed of. And I'm still ashamed of it, um, even to this day. And and so it, it, and that's kind of what came up. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm still ashamed. This has been, I am 52 years old. And um, I, I left my husband when I was 26 years old. Um, it took us a year to get a divorce. So technically divorced um, when I was 27. but. I still have shame after all these years. And that just, whew, that was tough. Um, yeah, absolutely. And thank you for saying that out loud. I'm sure that wasn't easy. Isn't that fucked up? Yes. That you have to deal with shame of something that happened to you because, and you know what? Like I can relate to that feeling of shame in a way. Again, I never had physical abuse, but I definitely had emotional abuse. And the feeling to me was like, how did I let myself get in that situation? I was embarrassed because I know myself to be a strong person. I know what I would say to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And there I was in it. And to me, that's where the shame is. And it's unraveling like, wait a second. I mean, there was a lot of outside factors there that are not my fault or responsibility. And the fact of the matter is we did get ourselves out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's something to actually be really fucking proud of and not ashamed of. Yeah. Way easier said than done. Yeah. (laughs) Um, um, But I mean, but you know, the emotional abuse goes, goes hand in hand with the physical abuse. Oh God. Yeah. 
you know, mind fuck. Oh God, is it ever? Um, and it started, ours started out like that. Um, the physical abuse started before we got married and, um, I was 22 when we got married and I, you're a baby. I, I was mean, a baby. And Jamie, I was a young 22. <laughs> I was, you know, I look at some people like my nieces and they are, they are not young 22s. <laughs> I was just very naive. I look back and I know I had, um, because I have, um, you know, some issues with depression and I take an anti, I take a, um, antidepressant. Um, and I look back at that younger me and I know I suffered through depression. I had low self-esteem, um, depressed and just, you know, just didn't feel worthy. And, and I grew up in the, here's what's crazy. I grew up in a household with loving parents and, um, flawed parents, of course, because every, every human is, but loved, like never doubted that I was loved. And so I was like, how, how did I get myself in a situation? And I mean, I don't necessarily know that I have the answer, but I was very, I was a baby (laughs) and, um, I just, I don't know. But me too. I had a really blessed upbringing. Um, don't get me wrong. Everybody's got their shit, right? At the same time, I never needed or wanted for anything. And I always knew I was loved. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I loved me. This is yes. why my like idol and all time favorite RuPaul. Do you watch RuPaul's Drag Race? Do you know? RuPaul? I don't know. I'm obsessed with drag. I have been like since I was a teenager because I love makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, then I came out and was in the queer community. Is added another layer to it. But RuPaul is amazing. He actually has a whole course on the master co- classes about self expression and authenticity. Okay. And his famous line is, how can you love yourself if you, how can you love somebody else if you can't love yourself? Right. Can I get an amen up in here? That, oh, that's yeah. what he says. And yeah. it's so true. And by the way, so many of us think it's selfish to focus on ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Practice self-love, self-care. It's the most unselfish thing we can do because when we're full and whole and we're loving ourselves, we can show up completely for others. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not looking to them to give us the fulfillment. We can give it to them. That's Um, what I, oh my gosh, you just hit, oh my gosh, what you just said. I was looking to someone else. I was looking to him to fill something, fill some void in me, um, you know, that I had and that I just didn't think I was smart enough. I didn't think I was pretty enough. I didn't think I was enough. And so then I'm in this situation and I'm like, well, I guess I really am that shitty of a person because or else why would I be, why would I be being treated this way? Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, and you know, I, and before I finally, before I finally left him, I left him twice before um, stayed with a friend for a month. And then the other time I, I honestly don't even remember, <laughs> but um, I think it's yeah. this person that convinces you that they love you mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, this is the love that I think I deserve. Right? We accept the love that we think we deserve. And if we're not loving ourselves, of course. I mean, it's everything that you just said. Um, and it takes a lot of work to yes. unravel and know that we're worth it. Really oh, know yeah. that we're worth it. And oh, you yeah. are so worth it. So is every person that you're working with, oh, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, a lot we could dig into there. But just to go back to this current time period, you know, first of all, I think it's, Everything happens exactly as it's supposed to, right? You signed up to volunteer two years ago so that you could be ready to do it now, I'm sure. Like, you know, it happens as yeah. it's supposed to. So then, boom, corona, die, or corona hits. They call you because you had signed up before, and they clearly needed more volunteers. So yes. what happened? Like, what were they saying? All of a sudden, corona, clearly they're doing it via Zoom, so more people could volunteer also because the community right. isn't there. But was it more that... People could volunteer. Was it more that they needed more volunteers? Actually, I guess I'm assuming something. So um, they, from what I understand, they need more volunteers. And you know, when um, and I don't remember um, the person, a person who's part of the Jefferson County Casa, um, and I don't remember her name, but she was saying. I mean, it was like so heartfelt. It was like I was getting teary eyed, um, and this was when we were sworn in. And she was like, "I cannot tell you how much these kids need you right now." Um, because they, they, you know, 
we have all been, this is difficult for all of us. We're all in, you know, in, in isolation, but we, you know, are in, in isolation with someone who's not abusing us and they're stuck with their abusers. And so they need, these kids need you. Um, so it, it's just, you know, the, the volunteers haven't been able to go out to visit with their kids. They were visiting with them via Zoom, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, now it's now it's lifted a little bit so we can go like I can go in, and see my kid when I get my case um, and I'll be able to, um, you know, take him or her to the park or something like that. Uh, so. But yeah, that is my understanding is that they are needed and that we're going to, you know, un- realize how many cases there are because of it. Unfortunately, I would assume that there's going to be a lot of new cases because I think that mental health, God, there's like so many, like if you go back to the root of how this could happen, I mean, the truth is like, we just don't have any talk about shitty systems. Where the hell is the system for our mental health? Right. Oh my God. It doesn't even really exist, you know? Um, And so when we're in a situation where we are so out of our comfort zone as human beings of ways of life, like people are angry, mm-hmm. people are freaking out, they're anxious and depressed, suicide rates oh. are going up through the roof. Mm-hmm. So you add in all of that and then, yeah, that can make anybody all of a sudden become an abuser who, by the way, didn't have that history, right? They just don't yeah. deal. Then you have the people that already have that predisposed or they're already doing it. So it's like leveled up that much more. And it's in uh, secrecy, even more yeah. so because you're not going out to school, right? right? So your teachers aren't seeing you with a bruise or being sad. So what do we do for the people that are listening? How do you find out if somebody needs help? How do we ask? How do we show up? What can we do right now? Mm. Gosh, that's a good question. I don't know if I have an answer for it. I mean, just as far as my personal experience, um, you know, but you know, if you, when you're abused, you try to hide it, right? Cause you're, you're ashamed of it. And so, um, and I was embarrassed by it. And so I would hide, hide it from my friends and I would hide it from my family. In fact, I would tell them how great he was. Um, and so, but my friends, those are the people that I could really be myself with, you know, um, at the time. And so they were seeing it and they were questioning it and they were asking me about it. Um, and so, I mean, honestly, I credit, um, my best friend, Carrie, um, she, help me through it more than anyone. Um, and because she, she would question me and say, okay, but this doesn't seem right, but are you happy? And she would talk about it. And then when I left, finally left him, she was there to pick up the pieces and support me and listen to me and also call me out on my shit. And let me tell you, that is not easy. And especially when you're that vulnerable, but she just, she loved me unconditionally, so I knew it was coming from a great place because she told me that I was being really self-centered and all I did was talk about myself and talk about my problems. And she was like, you know, I need you too. And it just, I mean, oh my gosh, my heart. I was like, oh my goodness, this is, God, this isn't really who I am at my core. Um, and so it, it's really, you know, and again, I don't know that I have a good answer for you, Jamie, except that. Um, when it comes from a place of, you know, love and you know, that person just really just cares about you, um, then, and wants to help you and be there for you, then, then you can, you feel like, I mean, she was my safety net. You know, I felt like I could, okay, I can actually get through this. Um, and boy, did we have some fun after that too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I mean, the things that you're saying about when you're the person that's wanting to show up for someone to really come from a place of like truly wanting to be there and letting the other person know that to establish this level of trust, honestly, and and we're not going to go down this other subject because (laughs) we'll go down a rabbit hole, but it reminds me of the conversation that I've been having a lot lot with my friends that are black Americans. Mm-hmm. When white people are calling them uh, 10 years later, all of a sudden being like, hi, right. how can I help? I mean, that doesn't feel right because it doesn't feel as genuine. 
Yes. So it's a matter of you got to establish relationships mm. before you just be like, tell me about everything. Yeah. Let me care. No, that doesn't right. work. No, um, it doesn't work that way because it's like, where were you before though? Because, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, black friends, black Americans and how they are, um, they have been, you know, they have been suffering through with racism this entire time, mm-hmm. and, right? Not just during coronavirus, this entire time. And so to, to then come to someone and say who you don't have that rapport with or have that connection with does seem just disingenuine. And that's honestly, if someone was disingenuine and came to me during such a vulnerable time, I'd have been like, oh my gosh, get away from me. Like, yeah. Fuck off. It would make yeah. it worse almost. Mm-hmm. Now that's not to say that you can't do it, Right. Like right. I truly believe better late than never. I mean, come on. Own that. Right. I haven't been there. Yeah. I've been blind to it. I want to change that. Yeah. I'm here. Mm-hmm. What do you need from me? Right. There's ways that we can do it. We just got to own our shit right. um, and then show up. Right. So, and it goes back to loving ourselves first and then yes. showing up. Don't bring your guilt onto somebody else. That's what's yeah. happening a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, and to do that to somebody who's been victimized for whatever reason it is or oppressed is just adding to the hurt so mm-hmm. much and the distrust. Yeah. Um, so like <laughs> this is, it's interesting to ask you this question because I've asked a lot of people this question just in talking about the coronavirus in general, like what do you think is going to kill us more, the virus itself or the impact of the mental health and stuff? Yeah. And I'm really interested to ask you this specifically working and volunteering in the space that you're in, because I personally have felt like, fuck the virus. The impact yeah, oh, to our yeah. mental health is going to be way more detrimental. Oh my gosh. Is we my don't opinion. No. But you we might don't even know. Well, we don't even know the half of it, right? We don't know how much really what's going on. And, you know, and I'm in, um, you know, I'm lucky because I am in a very loving home with my husband and my little cat. (laughs) Um, and so I am very lucky in, in that regard. And, um, so, you know, and, and we talk about a lot of things, we're able to be very candid with each other and talk about stuff. And he and I have very, we have different views on things. Um, so we can get into it. And when I say get into it, I just mean get uncomfortable. I don't mean get into an argument, but it's uncomfortable. Amen. Um, <laughs> and we got to have those conversations. They're the best conversations. Uh-huh. I hate how people think getting into it means fighting. Yeah. No. Get no. deep. Get dirty. Dig yes. in. And, yeah, and, the, and, and the reason that I can do that is because I trust him, right? And he trusts yes, me. Yes, yes. And, and even if we're like, okay, so I'll say, okay, hear me out on this. You said this. Okay, so I have a, I have a completely different view on this. And here's, you know, where it's coming from. Um, and he'll go, okay, okay. And that's a good, you know, so it, it's just, it comes from that. Um, but being able to, to have these candid conversations because we're talking about it. We're talking about coronavirus. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about um, Black Lives Matter. We're talking about all of that. And it is not always comfortable. And sometimes, honestly, I just want to run away and watch some silly Netflix thing. And sometimes I do that because I'm trying to protect my mental health. (laughs) Well, that goes back to the Mm self-care and the self-love. We got to get resourced to show up fully. Yeah. So yes, do that every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And I also think that like once you start having the conversation about one difficult or uncomfortable subject, it really does start to open the door to have those other conversations too. Yeah, it does. Is there anything else that you want to say about abuse domestic violence during the coronavirus times about what you've learned volunteering, what you think would be important for people to know and, or how we can show up for people. Yeah. I mean, those are all really good questions. And again, I don't know great answers to all of them, but I can say as far as, um, you know, my experience with it. And I mentioned that, you know, Charles and I have, we have uncomfortable conversations. The interesting thing is that's something that we don't talk very much about. We don't talk about domestic violence and the domestic violence that I endured. Um, and the reason that we don't is because it just, it makes him very angry that anyone treated me like that. And he just, he just really can't handle it. You know, um, he's like, I just can't imagine anyone treating you like that. And I just, it makes him very angry and it doesn't help. Um, 
And, you know, I actually, you know, this was interesting, was in a situation where, um, you know, my, my ex-husband's um, now second ex-wife reached out to me on Facebook um, because she was being abused by him. And um, pretty amazing, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And I crazy, bet you, right? you showed up in a second. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, she sent me a private message and said, I hope this is okay. Um, that I'm reaching out to you, but I just wanted to know, is this a pattern? And she described my life with him. Oh my I mean, God. I have, was, full body I have chills. chills right now. Me too. I have chills. <laughs> I said I have full I, body chills right as you said I have chills. <laughs> I mean, All right. history repeats itself. Jesus. Yes. It's like, wow, yes. wow, wow. How did she know you? How'd she find you? Um, she found me, um, I think because, you know, she found me on Facebook and I think because, you know, he, he mentioned my name at one point and she told me that she had asked about me a lot, um, because she wanted to know like what happened and he just said, oh, we just didn't get along. So, um, of course which, that's what he said. Wow. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, um, uh, I like, yes, yeah, she and I talked and texted and, um, and, uh, she, um, and then my mom got involved, um, cause my mom has a lovely sweetheart as well. And she also knows because she helped me, you know, my parents helped me throughout, through that thing. And I was immediately supported by them. I was, um, you know, we were, I was raised Catholic. And so they were like, I don't want you to think that, you know, the divorce is taboo in, in the Catholic world or, or, or was. And, um, and so she was like, I don't ever want you to think that we, you know, we are here to support you. So my parents were there to support me. And, and, um, I told her about, about this woman. And so she, um, this woman lives in Pennsylvania. And so she, she, my mom researched it and found the, the domestic violence hotline. And so we gave her all that. And she, you know, I was like, um, so she said, I just don't know what to do. And I love him, but I love my children more because she had children, not with him, but she had children. And I said, then get out and get your children out. It will only get worse. Um, and so she did and she's remarried now. Um, yeah. And oh my God. Baby. That's amazing. I know. Isn't that wow, cool? Wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, and he's. Go ahead. He's remarried again as well. So you know what? I will be there for the other woman if she needs me. You know, you say that and I'm like, what do you do? Do you reach out beforehand and say, hey, yeah, do you, if you know. need anything, I'm here or not? Like that is. I've, rest, I've wrestled with that one and I have not reached out. Um, now he did reach out to me when he was going through this divorce with his, his second wife. And he said, um, uh, I know that she's reached out to you and don't believe anything she says. She's lying. Well, that's the exact same thing he said to everybody about me. I mean, verbatim. Of course. And so I showed it. I showed it to Charles and I was just beside myself. I wanted to write something really mean back. And he said, okay, I understand that. But what do you want to write back? Tell me what you want to write back. And I said that and he goes, okay, so just tell me that. He said, don't, he doesn't deserve any communication. Nothing from you. Agreed. Charles is the shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I really got it right the second time, Jamie. I really did. <laughs> I know you did. And I'm so happy for you. I just want to highlight something that you said, I think, without knowing that you said it for anybody that's listening. When you came to your parents and you needed help with something that you were so ashamed and embarrassed of, which I'm saying this because I'm sure there are people that are going to listen to this that might be in the situation that you were in right now, feeling so ashamed and embarrassed. Was there anybody that you told? that didn't show up for you? No. Say it again. No, there wasn't. Everybody showed up for me. Nobody was, uh, nobody, did anybody reiterate the feelings of embarrassment or shame? No. What happened? Um, They just were proud of me for getting out of the situation. They were proud of me for taking that step. Um, and they were really, I mean, I, I mean, my goodness, my parents are amazing. Um, and they were, they just were like, remove any stigma, none of that. Let's just, you're safe. That's all we care about. Um, woo. <laughs> mm. uh, 
sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Don't be sorry. Just be fierce. Feel it. Yeah. It's okay. I, I got you. <laughs> Thanks. It just, they were amazing. Um, and I'm just, I'm so lucky to have them as my parents. I mean, you know, my dad's no longer here physically, but he's here. Yes, he is. Woo. Didn't see that one coming, Jamie. <laughs> That's okay. There's layers to that talking yeah. to your parents right now too. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What I'm feeling from you is actually not sadness. What I'm feeling from you is just overwhelming love and gratitude for all of that. Oh God. How I love my parents. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel that. And by the way, everybody listening to this might not even have parents to tell. Right. Yeah. But there's probably somebody in your life that you could tell. Just like your best friend, Kelly. Was that her name? Carrie. Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, or a sibling. Or yeah. a teacher. Mm-hmm. I've never oh. heard of somebody that comes to talk about their abuse with somebody in their life that they know and trust, right? That's important. So to you as your parents mm-hmm. and your best friend, sometimes mm-hmm. it's a teacher. Yeah. Um, that's going to shame you for coming forward. In fact, it's the biggest embrace. I got you. I love you. You're safe now. So if you're out there feeling scared and you have no one else to come to, I've got you. Really. Um, and my contact information is here. Pauline, do you have them if they want to yeah, come Yeah, I was going to say, I have you too. I have you. I will. I know what it's like. Um, I would never judge anyone anyway, but I know what it's like and how it feels. And you feel stuck and you feel like you can't get out of it, but you can. And you, I, I've had you know, certainly trials and tribulations, but I've had such a blessed life since since I made that decision. I mean, on the other side of fear is complete freedom. Almost Mm -hmm. always. We just Mm got to get over the hump, Mm -hmm. which takes a lot. Um, Oh, years. It took me years. (laughs) Yep. And it's totally possible, right? So thank you for sharing that story um, and going through all of that. So grateful um, and bef- just before I move on to anything else Corona related, cause got to ask you questions about that, that I ask everyone, uh, last, a- anything else you want to say about all of that? Uh, about the coronavirus? No, no, um, about, about the abuse, domestic violence, anything in that world. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would just say if you are in the middle of it, just talk to someone and, um, you know, and, and you're going to feel that shame. And it's unfortunate that you feel that shame because it is not about you. The abuser is the one who, quite frankly, has a lot of issues that they haven't worked through in their life. Um, likely, they grew up with abuse. Likely, their parents grew up with abuse, etc. And so it's not, it doesn't have any, it, it's not you. You're not the problem. Um they are the ones that have the problem and, you know, um, reach out and talk to someone and get out safely. Yeah. That's that's what's important. A hundred percent. Um, yeah, you're not the problem. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Totally. Okay. If that's how you're feeling, however, um, and we got you on the other side. Yes, we got you. So, Okay. What a cool, it's funny because I always ask everyone like, what good is coming out of this? Because the reality is in total darkness is when the light shines the brightest, right? Yes. Tragedy happens, the human spirit shines. It's a fucked up, beautiful thing. (laughs) Um, Some days it's hard to feel like it's beautiful, right? (laughs) right? But, But look what's happened to you because of this. Yeah. You're now volunteering for such a beautiful thing. I mean, that's a, an amazing good thing that's come out of this. So I love that. Um, and just like, I was thinking when you were talking about Charles having cancer, like talk about another thing to be grateful for. Imagine this, if this was last year, I mean, so I talk about good timing. That's amazing too. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, There are a thousand things I would ask you about your experience (laughs) going through this time in history. Maybe we'll have to do another talk. But like, uh, yeah, let me start with some simple questions first. Okay. As of today, June 10th, 2020. Is it the 10th? That's right. Yeah. Um, 
Do you know anyone that's been diagnosed positive with COVID-19? I do, yes, in my family. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I can. Um, my sister and her husband um, in Northern Virginia. Um, and so um, my brother-in-law went to um, a job site for work. And um, a few days later, he started having symptoms and they were mild. He had a slight fever and the cough. Um, and then my sister started having symptoms. Hers were much worse. And so she, um, she had a fever, chills, body aches, um, pressure in chest, difficulty breathing, um, other things with her eyes burning, which I'd never heard of. Um, and she ended up in the ER because she was short of breath and having difficulty breathing. And um, so she, you know, she was released. Now they didn't have a test there for her, but they, right, they did x-rays and uh, found out that they called it COVID lungs. And so that's how they diagnosed her. Well, so she didn't get, she could have gotten a coronavirus test in um, somewhere else, but wasn't, I guess, available in the hospital. Um, but she didn't want to do that because she didn't want to skew the numbers because she did, she was tested, she was, you know, reported as having coronavirus because of her lungs. Oh my God. There's so many <laughs> layers of fucked up in this to that. Like, yeah. She, they're both okay now, right? Because if she had gotten right. tested and it came back negative, which is happening all the time. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. I'm so glad she's okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're both, they're both doing really well. Um, and, um, do they have kids? They do. They do. And they have a daughter and she's in her twenties. And so she was there and she took care of them. They, they separated, they have a big enough house where they could separate in different areas. Okay. And she made all their food and, and, and she didn't get it as far as we know. Okay. That's what I was, that's what I was wondering. Super interesting. God, there is just yeah. no consistency no. with this thing. Like No. Oh, and my brother-in-law did find out a few days after he started showing symptoms that six people had tested positive at that job site for coronavirus. So, <sighs> Wow, mm -hmm. I'm so glad they're okay. Me too. And Me I too. hope that you don't know anybody else. Me too. I hope so. Do you know mm. anyone? I do. Okay. Um, a couple people, um, in fact, my best friend like has had a crazy story with it. She had a fever for nine days. She had the diarrhea mm. that they talk about. I mean, it hit her like a ton of bricks. Her son had it too. Now he's less than a year old. Oh my or no, he is a year. And he had a fever for like five days. She had a fever for nine days. Her husband's had a cough this entire time, but never had a fever. But he got the COVID toes. Like the purple blister. Oh yeah, that's right. They, but they have never tested positive, not once this whole time. They've been tested multiple times, that's and that so and this happened in March. Like she got the the fever like at the beginning, or maybe it was the beginning of April. I don't know. End of March, beginning of April, and she's still having symptoms. Mm. And they are and young and extremely healthy. That's the people. thing that's crazy about it. It's just so it, it's not consistent. I mean, it's like my brother-in-law bar barely showed symptoms, and then you know she had all this all it's kinds insane. of stuff. And then, by the way, like, are they are they contagious right now? Do they have the virus? Can they go? I mean, there's so many layers. Oh, to, I know. How the hell? How long? Like, I mean, I, come on. They don't. They don't know. And she. They both got the antibody test, and that's they tested positive. Okay. The antibody test. So if there's layers, there's layers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, let's just hope that you don't know anybody else. Uh, oh, yes. I hope and pray. So, okay. Um, and now we know that your sister and your brother-in-law had it. Um, when, <laughs> it's an interesting question to ask, especially considering what's happening in the U.S. right now, because I have a feeling that like some shit's about to go down even more than it already is. Oh, Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you could predict the future, Pauline, when are we getting out of this? Oh my gosh. So much. We're getting out of this, right? So much. Um, I mean, some of it is how to slow down, you know? No, I mean, no, 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 no. You heard my question differently. You're okay. thinking, what are we getting out of this? Oh, okay. What, okay. When, when are we getting, when out are we getting out of this? Oh my gosh. I think like you said in the beginning, um, you know, when there's a vaccine, but there's still more time. I mean, I would say a year more. I mean, I just, I just, and, and again, I don't think, 
I don't think it's ever going to be like our lives are just going to be different. Somebody said to me on one of these interviews, like emotionally, we're never getting out of it. Yeah. No. Right. I mean, because seriously, I mean, you know, there was all these memes on Facebook, which some of them are very funny, but they talked about, you know, um, the, the Great Depression and your grandparents, you know, putting putting um, dollar bills under their mattress. And now we're going to be spraying our our <laughs> groceries with Lysol. You know? so, um, and we literally do that. Oh, so yeah. it's just, it takes 90 I mean, days for a habit to become completely permanent. And yeah. we're over the three month mark. So, That's, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't, I just, I just don't see it getting back to normal any soon. I would, I don't know. And I don't know if it's so bad if we don't go back. Like clearly there was a lot that needed to change. Yeah. Right. Like a lot. Um, what, so what do you think? I, I'm with you. Like at least a year for sure. At least I'm with you. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, okay. Now when we do look back at this, who are we all going to look at as the golden child? Which country did the best at mm. handling this? And who's the golden fuck up? Oh God, I think we're the golden fuck up, aren't we? <laughs> Every person I've interviewed except one, which probably at this point is almost a hundred has said the U S every person, no matter where in the world they are. It's, the one person that said no is because she's from Brazil and, she, and uh, their president's almost worse than Trump. Um, oh. And they're just going through hell right now with it too. So, Gosh, I didn't but, know. but the U S has talked about way more. So, yeah. Okay. Huh. I don't know who's done it the best. I mean, I, I feel like I see Sweden, right. As one that's doing it well. Um, I, I see a lot of the, I, I don't know the answer to that as far as who's doing it best, but I, I see a lot of, you know, I mean, I, I it's like I read up on this and I, and I get like this daily um, news that's kind of, um, I would say it's it's not it's not political because it's it's slanted on either side. I just it drives me crazy. I just I want facts. Like I really want to understand it. Um, so I have been reading about it, but. Um, I, I don't know that that I know the answer to that, but I can say that I think that I, I can't believe how poorly it was handled here. I can't believe that we were not ready for this. Not just believe. was handled; is continuing to be handled. You know, it's, you're right, absolutely. It's, <laughs> it's horrendous, it's disgusting. It yeah. Um, I don't know about the the winner either. I actually have been speaking to a gal from Sweden, and we'll put, be putting her story up because it's interesting to hear her perspective. Um, I don't think anyone knows because the truth is we don't know how to do it. So you can, you can definitely see some countries that are really, really, really trying mm-hmm. <laughs> and some that are just like us. Um, right. So, yeah. Okay. Now this is my favorite question to end on. And it's kind of like what you were, what you were going to answer or not okay. when we were getting out of this, but what are we getting out of this? This is very along the same lines. Yeah. I so a lot. I yeah. Mean, I mean, the question is specifically though, what good have you yeah. already seen come out of this? Because the truth is, like I said, the light does shine in the darkness. So there has been a lot of good already coming out of this. And you can think about it from the perspective of like within your friends and family, within Colorado, within the US, within mm-hmm. the world, the planet, what good has come out of this? And what good do you think is going to come out of this? Yeah, gosh, uh, so many things. But I mean, I think, you know, first of all, we saw with our planet, right? We saw what like the smog in LA, they were saying it's just they hadn't seen anything like it in years without Catalina it. Island every morning from Malibu, yeah. which is insanity. It's beautiful. Oh. Beautiful. Oh, I, well, I, haven't, I mean, and Charles has family from LA and I have family in LA as well. And so, um, yeah, we, I've never seen, <laughs> he's like, there's Catalina Island. I'm like, where? I can't see it. But yes, I heard that as well. Um, and, um, and then, you know, I, I've connected more with people that I kind of lost touch with, like, um, a friend that I grew up with and she and I are like checking in with each other every day, which is really cool. Um, and so, and I think that's a bit about like slowing down. And I think I started to say that a little bit, which is, you know, I have, I have friends, a lot of friends with kids and some of them have small kids and they're running constantly from one practice to the another, to the next. And I know they're missing that. And I, I mean, believe me, you know, my, my poor little niece is just beside herself, like not being able to go to karate and dance. Um, it's, you know, so I think hopefully we'll be able to get just back to some of that, but hopefully what will happen is it's like, you know, 
you don't, we don't necessarily need to be running around like crazy and driving all over the place. And, you know, it's that I think that is what's going to happen. Some good that will happen from it, that maybe we're going to slow down a little bit in that respect um, and appreciate things more. I went out to eat to lunch last week and it was so delightful. Um, and, you know, they had the open windows and everything. And I just thoroughly enjoyed myself. I did not look at my phone. I put my phone away. I just looked at people and just talked with the servers. And it was wonderful. It was just, and it's just, I think those are things you just take for granted and you're looking at your phone and you're that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, I really am hoping this is going to change the workforce in the U.S. because I think there's, there's just such a level of distrust with people working from home. Um, there certainly is at my company. I can, I can say that. Um, and, um, and I think still that to this day, still to this day. Wow. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think it's, this is kind of a wake up call for that. And especially with technology, with technology, you know, we can work from home and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I want to be at home in this room for, you know, five or eight more months or whatever it is. But, um, but you know, if there's some it's more balance to life, I guess. Um, so I think that's some good that's going to come out of it. I'm sure I'm missing a ton of other things that are good that's going to come out of it. But you said some really beautiful ones. I mean, their planet healing itself is incredible. Um, the connection with people is really cool. And I mean, like people that you would have never thought that you would like, it's weird who I've ended up spending the most time with connecting during this versus the people I assumed I would. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been really beautiful. And I think what you said about slowing down and appreciating the things, I mean, literally a hug. I appreciate a thousand times more than I ever did. And yes, going out to to, de- to eat is a treat where it was oh, yeah. so casual. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you could be at dinner with your family and literally no one talks to each other. I don't think that will happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a lesson in presence, truly. Um, and gratitude and Jesus, like if there could be any more beautiful lessons, I don't know what they would be. Um, so yeah, it's all really good stuff. So thank you so much for sharing yourself so unbelievably generously with me and everyone that's going to listen to this. Um, before we totally end things, is there anything else that you would like to say on the record as of June 10th, 2020, <laughs> living through this time in history? Oh, just thank you, Jamie. And thank you for um, just being you because uh, the re- I've never talked with anyone this deeply about the subject. Um, and I was, I felt comfortable because it was you and I love what you're doing. Um, so keep doing it. Thank you so much, Pauline. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the one world, your story podcast. If you enjoyed hearing this story and you wish to hear more, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. And of course, follow us on Instagram at one world, your story. From all of us here at the One World Your Story podcast, we are sending you so much joy and love. Have a wonderful rest of your day.